This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Genesis 34:30, where he just said, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you've troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites, the Perizzites, for I, being few in numbers, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. Then we saw how the great part about that is that that's not where the story ended. We saw how God helped his man, strengthened him, get up from that fallen state, return to God, go back to God. And we saw that illustrated in Genesis 35 too. Genesis 35, 2, where Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with them, put away the strange gods that are among you. Be clean and change your garments. Let us arise and go to Bethel, and I'll make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. So then we saw in verse 5, Genesis 35, 5, how when they moved out from that to go follow God, and it says that as they journeyed, the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they didn't pursue after the sons of Jacob. And so we've seen all these gospel blessings that are coming to us from according to the gospel, gospel according to Moses. Now we want to consider a little bit the cost, the cost of all these blessings. There was a cost, and that's where we get into this verse where it talked about in Romans, by the death of his son. Another great verse is in Daniel 9.26. Daniel 9.26, it talks about after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. That's what it says. Messiah be cut off in Daniel 9.26. Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. So when we look at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, these three words in Daniel 9.26 are important, but not for himself, not for himself. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ was not for himself. It was for us. It was for us. So we're going to remember, as Eric said, in communion, the death of the Lord. And we just want to take a few moments now just to think about the gifts that he gives us 
by his death. When you read his last words of the Lord in John 19.30, where it says in John 19.30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it's finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. That word finished means accomplished. It means accomplished. If we had it in Hebrew, it would have been asa. It means made. It means accomplished. It means achieved as like a success. So what he was doing there was giving this great release of having made his great achievement. Kind of like a graduation where you take the hat and throw it up in the air. Finished, I achieved it. By his death, he succeeded. He achieved in giving us nine important gifts, at least nine, many more. But the first gift that he gave us is the one we're so familiar with in Romans 6.23, where it talks about the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know how you would say that gift of God if you were gonna say it in Hebrew? Hebrew. Nathaniel, Nathaniel. Nathaniel means, Nathan is gift, El is God. Nathaniel means gift of God. You, I, 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 I know you're all expecting to have children, right? <laughs> if you were, you want to give a ver, you want to give a name to a baby, to a to a to a person, a son. You want to give a name to a son that makes reference to John three sixteen. You couldn't have a better name than to name him Nathaniel or Nathan, because that means gift of God. For God so loved the world that He gave. God gave. That's Nathaniel. Anyway, this says the gift of God is eternal life. We came to God with death. The wages of sin is death. We were dead. We didn't know we were dead because a dead person really doesn't know he's dead. I mean, you know, you can go to the morgue, talk to a cadaver and say, do you know you're dead? You know, you're not gonna get a response. And so, because we were dead, as it says in Ephesians 2.1, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's Ephesians 2, 1. We thought we were alive. We weren't, okay. So, now, that was the gift that God gave to us. The first gift, eternal life. Isaiah 53 gives us many gifts. It's an arresting chapter. Isaiah 53 is such an amazing chapter in the Bible that when you look at it and you read it, you say, there's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can say, but there's a lot I can admire. There's nothing I can say, but there's, a, but there's a lot of worship that I have as a response to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is a chapter which describes the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but, but like I said, you want to sing a hymn after you read Isaiah 53? You sing, and can it be? You read Isaiah 53, and then you sing, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood, died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? That's a Isaiah 53. That's a response to Isaiah 53. But anyways, it's a graphic description of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it describes not only the death, but the gifts that came as a result of the death. For example, in Isaiah 53.5, Isaiah 53.5, where it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
Did you notice in there this this like parallel, like a like a an equal part on both sides where you have four references to him? He was wounded, he was bruised, he was chastised, and he was beaten. It was all what happened to him four times. And then there's the four things that came to us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes. We are healed. Such an awful description of what happened to him. And then you begin to see why he went through all this. Why did he allow himself to be so mistreated? The verse before Isaiah 53.4, it explains. Isaiah 53.4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The Hebrew word for griefs there means sicknesses. He hath borne our sicknesses. Sickness is terrible. Sick, cancer is a sickness. It's terrible. We, 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 we recently interviewed a potential medical director who is a pathologist, and we asked him the question, the question was asked to him, what was the hardest thing that you had to do as a doctor so far in your profession? He's gone to Aegis universities in Boston and here, and, and when the question was asked to him, what's the hardest thing you had to do as a doctor? He teared up. He teared up and he said, the hardest thing for me was to work three days on specimens, different specimens from the same patient, trying to get a diagnosis for his sickness, and then to be told to stop, stop working on those specimens because the patient just died. That was the hardest thing. Sickness is terrible because the ultimate goal or the direction of sickness is death. And sometimes there's nothing that can be done to stop a sickness where a man is completely helpless in the face of sickness. That's what makes one evening in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ so significant. And that evening was in Matthew 8, verse 16. Matthew 8, verse 16. This was one evening. This is one evening. What an evening this was when it says, when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. This was the evening when the physically sick, the mentally tormented, were brought by family and friends to the Lord Jesus Christ for help. And this was a wonderful evening because he, this is an evening when he healed all those sicknesses and at the end of that evening, when they were all healed, then the describing verse of what happened was given. This, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That was an evening of curing sicknesses, and it was a fulfillment of him bearing our sicknesses. Isaiah 53 describes the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, 4 describes him bearing or taking our sicknesses on him, which shows us that by his death, he gave us the gift of the cure of our sicknesses. 
And we're gonna receive that gift. It's coming, it's coming. In Revelation 21.4 is where we can see that we get that gift of the cure of our sicknesses. That's the day of the healing. Isaiah, I mean, uh, Revelation 21.4, when it says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Former things are passed away. By his death, he gave us the second gift of the cure of our sicknesses. Now, it said there in Isaiah, two, I mean, in Revelation 21.4, it said there in Revelation 21.4 that there would be no more sorrow. Sorrow. Sorrow's a pretty rough thing to have. Sorrow. I mean, if there's one word that describes the Lord Jesus Christ as he approached his death, as it, and especially when he got to that Garden of Gethsemane from which he was arrested, it's the word sorrow. A sorrow. In Matthew 26, 37, describes him coming to that Garden of Gethsemane, coming to that, that place from which he'd be arrested. In Matthew 26, 37, it says, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then he saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. And then he said, he turned to his father, and he said, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Again, we go back and we think about John, uh, about Daniel 9.26. Daniel 9.26, not for himself, not for himself. Those sorrows that he felt were not his sorrows. In Isaiah 53.4, as it says, he carried our sorrows. He carried our sorrows. Think of, just think of all the time when you've been really sad, really had sorrow, sorrow of the heart, deep sorrow of the heart. And now just think, all those sorrows being put on him, him carrying all those sorrows because he carried our sorrows. It kind of takes the edge off the sorrows. And, and when we go through sorrows, knowing that he took all our sorrows, it sort of keeps us away from the cliff of despair the cliff that falling over into a state of absolute depression and despair, when we realize the Lord Jesus carried our sorrows. Like the hymn we sang a few weeks ago, Come Ye Disconsolate. And at the end of each one of those stanzas in that hymn, it says, Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot cure. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot cannot remove. Why? Why is that? Why does earth have no sorrow that heaven cannot heal or cure or, or remove? Because of Isaiah 53, 4. Because he carried our sorrows. And, 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 and those sorrows were heavy. They were heavy on him. So, heavy, so much heavy that in the verse before, in Isaiah 53, 3, Isaiah 53, 3, it says he is despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You know, we read that. It's so easy to kind of read over it. He was despised, rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid as our word, face our, as it were, our faces from him. We kind of like, it's easy to gloss over it. So the hymn writer has to take us and say, wait a minute, stop, dead in your tracks right here. 
I want you to think about that title. And he writes a hymn, Man of Sorrows. What a name for the Son of God who came. Now, he gets to the Garden of Gethsemane. He tells Peter and John that he's so full of sorrows that he could die. And what he accomplished by bearing our sorrows was the cure for our sorrows. By his death, he accomplished the cure of our sorrows. And then what we need when we're, when we're full of sorrow, we need comfort. We need comfort. And so he said in John 16, 7, John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go away. And that would be through death. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. When he died, he rose again, and then he sent the comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, to take away our sorrows. And as Eric said, we don't have to wait 50 days for him to come, which, by the way, 50 50 days from Passover is when the Holy Spirit was given. You remember what happened 50 days from the first Passover? The first Passover back in Sinai, the first Passover in Egypt. You remember what happened? I just gave it away. (laughs) Okay, because 50 days after the Passover was the giving of the law in Sinai. That's called Shavuot. Uh, That's called Pentecost or Shavuot. And so when, when Peter told this group, Look, this is what you need to do. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized. He put it this way in Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gift. Holy Ghost is a gift to us by his death. He gave us the gift of the cure for our sorrows, the great comforter who is the Holy Ghost. Now, we got a big problem from our sins. We got a, we got a, we got a, there's an issue. And, and, and it's not just that our sins have offended God, but another problem is our sins make us dirty. They just make us filthy inside. And, and, it, it, and it's bad. And even when we try to put on our best performance to God, we try to really be righteous and say, well, what do you think about that, God? Then he says to us the words of Isaiah 64, 6. Isaiah 64, 6, or we say, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. All of our best performance are as filthy rags. That's very depressing. That's a very depressing statement, that even when we think we're being our best, our righteous, God says it's filthy, it's terrible. But it shows the depth of our problem, the depth of the dilemma, the uncleanness from our sins. That's a real problem. We can't get clean. We can't clean ourselves. We're helpless to clean ourselves. We can't do it. Then the Lord Jesus Christ steps in. In Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, where it speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood in his own blood. I mean, can you think of a more intimate way of cleansing from sins than in his own blood? I mean, he was building up to this, and and so he wanted to illustrate this to his disciples 
And so he did something which in their minds was a shock, was scandalous, and this is almost what they, they wanted to say, now nobody tell anybody that he did this. This is outrageous. And it was in John 13, 4, John 13, 4, where it says, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and gird himself. The towel was his clothes. After he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. I mean, they're shocked to see the Lord wrap himself in a towel and then wipe their dirty feet with the towel that he's wearing. I mean, this was a, there was like a protest. You know, it, it, your clothes are getting dirty with our feet. How much more when it's not his clothes that's cleansing them, but his own blood that's cleansing from sin? And that's the song. That's the statement, rather, of, of those who are in heaven in Revelation 7.14. Revelation 7.14, it, it, it says, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, we've got this scene before us. It's a remarkable scene in Zechariah 13.1. Zechariah 13.1 is a scene of a fountain for sin and uncleanness. It's opened up like for the first time, like for the Jewish people. And it says that in Zechariah 13.1, in that day there shall be a fountain. That's nice. There shall be a fountain. You know, in that day, there shall be a fountain. You know, we sing today, there is a fountain filled with blood. Anyway, it says here, in that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Israel for sin and uncleanness. That's a fountain. Oh, wonderful fountain that that is. There is a fountain filled with the blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged. I love that word, plunged. Maybe it's because I would make such a big splash. I don't know. Plunged beneath its flood, lose all their guilty stains. It really expresses that hymn, expresses the cost. It's not a fountain filled with water. It's a fountain filled with blood drawn from his veins. By his death, he gave us this fourth gift of the cleansing of our sinfulness the cleansing of our sinfulness. Now, we're cleansed, that's great. We've got our sinfulness gone, that's great. But our, what are we gonna what are we gonna wear? I mean, our best righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I mean, it's sort of like Adam and Eve, you know, after they sinned, and they sewed together fig leaves. How pathetic. Fig, fig leaves dry out. <laughs> Fig leaves crumble. <laughs> Fig leaves, they're no good. And so God looked at them and said, those fig leaves that you made, they're really pathetic. They're going to dry up. They're going to shrivel. They're going to crumble. You need some real clothes. I'll make you some real clothes. Let me clothe you with the skins from animals. And then it says in Genesis 3.21, Genesis 3.21, amazing verse, unto Adam, and also to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Can you imagine? He didn't say, you need some clothes. Wait, Joe, which one of you are good at skinning and tailoring? Come over here, do this. No, 
He said, he did it. He did it himself. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.